serving or segregated? And serving or segregated? And you basically have two types of congregants, parishioners, disciples within the body of Christ. You have those who understand serving, and you have those who are segregated. Um, and I'm going to explain as we get into it, but this is a prophetic message in nature. And if you understand New Covenant prophecy, is about edification, exhortation, and comfort. So when you're receiving a prophetic word, it should be about edification, exhortation, and comfort. So this is a message to build up, stir up, and bind up. Okay, to build up, stir up, and bind up. So not only does he want to build you up and stir you up, but he wants us to bind those things that perhaps has caused a breach in our relationship with him. So whoever has ears to hear, whether you're in here or watching me, via e-church, whoever has ears to hear, let him, let her hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And even though I'm speaking to you, to the house, it's pervasive in nature. So it's for anyone who hears this message. Amen. And the Lord would have me to encourage you. We are halfway through already the year of 2023. I mean, we are almost approaching 2024. Write this down. Holy Spirit would have us to slow down and test ourselves. Notice, test ourselves to see whether we are in faith and living our lives as committed believers. I said again, so he would have us to slow down, test and evaluate ourselves. And, and let, me, let me say this. Uh, it's important to know the scriptures because everyone, name of the name of Jesus, is not living in agreement with the word of God. And if you don't know the word, you cannot live in agreement or in alignment with the word of God. And some of this erroneous stuff that you hear believers saying now, it makes you wonder, what Bible did you get that out of? So we have to make sure um, that, again, we take heed to what God is saying. So we need to slow down, test and evaluate ourselves to see whether we are in the faith and living our lives as committed believers. Are you living your life as a committed? I know you're saved for those who are believers. But are you living your life as a committed believer? Notice, test and evaluate what? I'm not looking at John right now. I'm not looking at Susie right now. Who needs to be here? And who? Oh, this would be good. No. Test and evaluate myself. Now, he's not talking about outside, test and evaluate our salvation because we know we have that by the Scriptures. But our spiritual act of worship. We're at the latter part of June. What does your spiritual progress look like individually as well as 
collectively within the body. And let me say this, and throughout this teaching of true worship, we've seen that God sets the members in the body as it pleases him. Who? God. He sets the members in the body as it pleases him. So I don't get to choose where I worship. He chooses where I worship. Now, although we do choose, it's beneficial that we allow him to choose. That's why we can't, be, we can't bound ourselves by where I grew up at, or I came up, or, I'm a, or I am of this denomination or that denomination. Where has God called me to be? And when I understand that, I may not like the color of him or her. I may not like their height, how they dress, how they look. But if that is where God called me, that is the place where I'm going to flourish, blossom, and increase, and be more beneficial to where he has called me relative to helping complete or fulfill the vision that he has given that particular house. Are you with me? So ask yourselves, what does my spiritual progress look like? How have I advanced this year individually as well as corporately? Again, when I'm a part of a local body, it's being a partner is bigger than coming and occupying a seat. There is something that God has deposited in me that's going to be advantageous to where he has called me. That's why everything that you need should be within the body, from musicians to worshipers to greeters to whatever it is, it's within the body. And if it's not there, guess what? God will send. Oh, my shit. What needs to be there? So am I serving or am I segregated? And understand this. Where God places me, I have to understand that I have a purpose. There's a purpose for my place. Will you say that? There's a purpose for my place. Listen, I'm telling you, it's bigger than occupying a seat. As a matter of fact, you have insulted yourself and what God has placed on your life if you have reduced your partnership down to just filling a seat. You are more than that. There's more in you than just filling up a seat. No, there's something. That's, that's like having a heart, son, and it does not do what it's supposed. What's the use if it's just there? To, your heart is not there to occupy space only. It has a specific purpose and function. Are you with me? And one of the dangers that we see in the church now, the church, and I'm talking about the ecclesia, you and I, the individual, has lost the art of servanthood. Yeah. We have lost the art of servanthood. We have forgotten how to serve. And you have individuals now who have the mindset, unless they see an opportunity of greater self-aggrandizement or a way to increase their power and importance of self, there's little man of God to no sacrifice. So if there's nothing in it for me, I don't want to sing. If I can't lead every song. And 
If I can't, and, and see, even to these young, let me help you out, you young preachers. Listen, if I, if I only show up when it's time for me to read scripture, when it's time for me to preach, you have not understood what it means to serve. You are not ready. Notice what Jesus said, anyone who wishes to become great among others must first be a servant. See, you are first a servant, then a singer. You are first a servant, then a pastor. You are first a servant, then a musician. You are first a servant, then a prophet, apostle, whatever title you want to give to yourself or believe God has called you, you are first a servant. Notice Jesus is our example. What did he say? I did not come to be served, but to serve and give myself as a ransom for many. No, I I came to serve. Why? Because the way to go up is to go down. In other words, is to understand humility, to understand servanthood. And see, it, it, the reason why that is important is because the, in order to be a servant, you have to totally deny yourself for the welfare of someone else. And that is when you, and that's what worship is all about. Notice we're talking about true worship. True worship, man of God, is not giving God some of you. True worship is God having all of you. And a servant, a true servant, is someone who has given their all to God. Not just my talent. But also my time. Not just my time and talent. But also my money. Everything. Everything. My life. And we're living in the day, man of God, where most people who are believers aren't even identifying themselves as Christians anymore, spiritual now. Well, what God do you serve? Just like the woman at Samaritan, I'm still, we're still in John. Uh, you worship what you know not, or you know not who you worship. See, if I can't put a name on them, if I can't point them out to you, <laughs> then, then I, 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 I'm only left to believe perhaps this one is not real. Let me show you this. Are you here? So am I serving or am I segregated? And it's time out for that. I'm just doing it at home. Man, God wants you to, God has placed you somewhere. That's somewhere you're supposed to be. <laughs> that was good when there was a shutdown as an excuse. But the shutdown is over. And as for this house, we were never shut down. But you understand what I'm saying. What do I mean by segregated? 
those who are separated, those who are withdrawn from the main body, the isolated, those who are distracted and disconnected. See, just because you, your name is on the road doesn't mean that you are connected. Because even though I'm a member man of God, doesn't mean that I am serving. And listen, the higher the position or the greater the position, uh, what I mean by that, the greater the door or the platform that God gives you, I should be all the more humble and first to serve. <laughs> you know, like, I can't have that mindset that I'm bougie. I'm too high to praise God. You know you didn't do that yourself. God did that. Ain't no way you could do that. Are you here? So, so, so the, the greater my position or the, the, the platform, if you will, I should be all the more humble. So whether I'm doctor so or so, you need to serve, sir. Where God has placed you. I'm lawyer so-and-so. Ma'am, you need to serve. No, it's bigger than just my big tithe and offering. No, I need to put my hands to the plow. It is bigger than just sitting down front with my legs crossed and my Gucci bags and my Louis shoes and all this other stuff looking important but not a participant. God is better than that. Your place has a purpose. And now I've seen it. Seems like the more some make, the less they worship God. Are you with me? And let me tell you something. With all the money that's conceivable, in a time when you need God, it can't help you thinking about these gentlemen that was the victim of this submarine incident. Millionaires. I think one was a billionaire. And I, I, I don't know them personally. As far as I know, they were believers. I don't know. But then again, you know, that's why it's good to have a relationship with Holy Spirit. Because he'll tell you, listen, don't be a fool. You don't have to fast about this, pray about this. Don't go. But I can only imagine what was going through their minds at that moment when they knew something's not right. But I'm a millionaire, but what can I? Can somebody save me now? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses all? Will you say this? My place has a purpose. There's something that you should be doing. You're, you're more than just a painful wait on Sunday morning. No, I have a specific function where God has called me. So the segregated are those who are withdrawn within the body, those who are isolated, those who are distracted and disconnected. Again, God does not open doors to take you out of your spot. He opens doors to enhance where you are and to be a greater influence in whatever that area is. 
So just because your name is on the roll, for those who need that, it's bigger than that. There's something that you should be doing. Ask yourselves, is God in his proper place in my life? Is God where he should be? Ask yourself that. Well, let me say it this way. Write it down because y'all looking at me like, write it down. Just note it in your phone. Note to self, is God in his proper place in my life? You still have a definition for worship, Tamara. And we get this from John 4, 23, 24. You can put it up for their hearing, and I've already uh, expressed it. But worship is the response of a grateful and humble individual <laughs> to the only living God. There's only one living God. There are many things devoted as God, but there's only one living God. As a matter of fact, he calls these idols nothing. It's nothing. Worship is the response of a grateful and humble individual to the only living God where submission, sacrificial service, praise, agreement. See, that's the operative word, agreement. Testimony and gratitude are, are freely expressed in innumerable ways. And let me tell you something. If, if, you, if you are too big to serve, you are a very prideful individual. I said again, if you are too big to serve, you are a very prideful individual. Aligning myself with the Word of God or with His agreement is what gives me access and accessibility to heaven's blessings. So when we, when we align ourselves, live in agreement with this word, that's what gives me access as well as accessibility to heaven's blessings. And let me say this, worship is not something that we should do out of convenience. Worship is not something that we should do out of convenience. Worship is not something that we should do out of convenience. What do you mean? Well, if I just happen to be free on Sunday, maybe I'll worship. And let me say this. It's more than coming and gathering collectively for an hour, two hours on Sunday morning. No, real worship is what I do every day. It's living a life of devotion every day. And it's expressed, it's seen in the marketplace, in my home, when I'm out and about. It's demonstrated. People know that there's something different about this woman. And let me tell you something. The systems of this world cares nothing about your God. And I'm not going to let the systems of this world Cause me to misplace where God belongs. No, I'm going to honor him 
Don't let the world take God out of his place in your life. And most are dependent on the systems of this world, not God. And we call blessings that we've acquired through our own adroitness a blessing for God. No, you got good credit, so certain things you ought to have or could get. It wasn't God necessarily. And we're calling things that we're missing worship. We're acquiring things, never at worship, and we're saying, look what God did. No, you did that. You're working 80 hours a week. If it takes me away from God, I don't want them kind of blessings. Or at least I'm not going to, and I'm definitely not going to attach his name to it. But we serve a God who will do the supernatural. I've seen it. You've seen it. (laughs) And when you live for him, it's, see, you can work half the hours, but you're getting more. You're trusting him, so he has you living here, and the, the one who's working up here wondering how you keeping up with them, and they working twice as hard. Yeah, well, I'm trusting God with mine. That's why we should never forget when he blesses. Are you serving or segregated? And I'm going to tell you something. If all of you doing... Is occupied, and I, I can't, I'm going to keep reiterating this. And, and, and listen, do not bombard, bombard me after church. Listen, I be doing, today is not the day to deal with that, what you should be doing. And let me tell you this, and it's not everybody coming to me and wanting to be the preacher. Everybody, everybody's not, we're all called to preach or proclaim the gospel. But, but for some reason, this spot is the only one we want. If I can't be pastor, I don't want to do nothing. This is not something that you will want to uh, get in yourself. I'm like Bishop. I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. I love what I do, but I'm saying if God has not graced you to do it, that's not something you should be trying to covet because there would be no anointing on your life for that. So worship is not something that we do out of convenience. Well, I see if I can make it. Listen, tr- true worship is having God's sister givens. Above everything and everyone else in my life. I say it again. True worship is having God above everything and everyone else in my life. Exodus 20 and 3. You should have no other gods (laughs) before me. Do you see that? Before me. Me. I should be. So no one should be above me or 
before me. Isaiah 42 and 8. I am the Lord. That is my name. For the spiritual who can't put a name to the God that you serve. And my glory I will not give to another. Nor my praise to carved images. And let me say this, beloved. God will not relinquish his glory to another because all glory, honor, and praise belong to him and him alone. He's not going to forfeit it because there's something that you desire. Take his place. Then, too, he would not allow his works to be attributed to man, idols, or false gods. In other words, the things that he's done for you, don't take the glory for it. Don't dare, look what I done. I pulled myself up by my own bootlaces, sir. You're walking on rough waters. Give glory to God. See, now you're trying to take his place. <laughs> and, and, and let me tell you something. And if you listen to the world, you will misplace God. Colossians 2 and 8. You know what? Let me put up 1 Corinthians Eight, I think it's verse 4. Let me show you something. Because I said he would not allow his works to be attributed to man, idols, or false gods. Listen, he is the only living God. He is the only one to be adored and worship. Therefore, concerning eating and things and offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world. And that there is no other God but one. An idol is nothing in the world, but guess what? The world has literally made an idol out of just about any in everything in their system. And a mockery out of the God of the Bible. And Christians laugh and joke about it. Colossians 2 and 8. Let me show you something real quick. See to it. That no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, pseudo-intellectual babble. Pseudo-intellectual babble. Babble. Leading you off in the era with erroneous teachings, sayings, according to the tradition and musings of mere men, following the elementary principles of this world rather than following the truth, the teachings of Christ. That's why you can't go with every new thing. Especially when it contradicts the truth. <laughs> I say it all the time. Well, how do I know the truth? Look at Jesus. Well, how can you say that? Because he is truth personified. I am the way. If you're ever concerned about which way to go, look at Jesus. I am the 
truth, if you're ever concerned about knowing truth, the real truth, not your truth, the truth, look at Jesus, and the life. If you want life, look to Jesus. Exodus 22, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Notice, he's not going to give his glory to any other man, idol, or carved images. He, who brought you out? The Lord. What do you mean Egypt? Symbolic of that place of misery, that place of restraint, bondage, tribulation. It was the Lord that brought you out. That's why we should be all the more eager to offer up all praises and glory to him and him alone. And remember, worship is the response of a grateful heart, an humble individual. Now, And like I said, I'm, I'm going to have to add to this what we're talking about, serving or segregating. In the book of Ecclesiastes, and study it at your leisure. Maybe that would be a good homework or something this week. King Solomon, he gives us an autobiographical tour of his life. So when you read Ecclesiastes, it's really a book of perspective. Someone say perspective. So, and throughout it, he reveals the desolation, devastation, and depression that's inescapable when seeking happiness in worldly things. He reveals the desolation, devastation, and the social media where for the believer, it should be working to your advantage. It's working, it's really aiding to a lot of people's demise and destruction. Because you have a lot of Christians who have become very avaricious as a result of this platform. Everything now is about greed. Chasing greed. Posting bigger houses, bigger cars, bigger, just to impress people. Uh, who probably really don't care at the end of the day. It's one thing when it's authentic and genuine and you're just showing the goodness of God. But for most, that's not the case. Trying to keep up. Give an appearance of what I want you to think of me. So he, re he reveals the desolation, devastation, and depression that's inescapable when seeking happiness in worldly things. God is not opposed to things, but things should not be above or before God. <laughs> is there a chase, an acquisition after the things of God like we do to possess worldly material possessions. 
can God get you to vote to devote 80 hours of your week pursuing kingdom? Well, that's quite much, isn't it? Uh, let's say 20 hours a week. Ten. Five. One hour a week. I would wonder if I was to ask by a show of hands, who have devoted at least one, don't do it. It's a rhetorical question. One hour this week to the things of God. I'm not talking about your prayer hour. I'm talking about in the area of discipleship. Laying hold to the vision. That's why it, wherever God has placed you, the, one of the first things I need to understand is the vision of the house. Because the power to define is the power to fulfill. If I cannot define the vision, I cannot fulfill the vision. And I'm like somebody who's running wild. Why? Because where there's no vision, people are cast, they cast off restraint. Since I don't know, I don't know what to do. That's why you hear me all the time say, you quite often hear me say, vision is what gives me direction. If I don't know what to do, ask, what's the vision of the house? And once you get that, just lay hold and pursue the vision. You hear? So Solomon, he, he's, he gives us a chance to see the world through the eyes of a person, you got to remember, who had it all. He was greater in riches, wisdom, than all the kings of the earth. He had prestige. The finest of everything. If, if there was something to have, Solomon was the man. Nobody had it like he had it. So this is somebody that we can listen to. Are you with me? But none of these things gave him a real sense of meaning. If you feel like what you drive gives you a sense of meaning, a sense of meaning, you have lost your sense of purpose. If you feel like what you wear gives you a sense of meaning, you have no idea who you are. Why? Because a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he has. The Bible called that person a fool talking about the parable of the rich food. He was all about himself, what he could acquire. And was considered a fool because there was an acquisition of things. He, he chasing after things. So Solomon says, it's nothing but vanity. It's all meaningless, meaningless without God in your life. So what's a big house and it's not a home? See, I don't, I don't want just a big house, but I want God to be the head over my house. I don't just want a house. I want it to be a home. What's the use of having wealth and I am Tormented mentally. Wealth won't do you any good. If, if, if I got all this money, but, but there's, there's great discomfort and distress 
maladies because of my mental disturbances. So he says, to have it all without God is vanity. And, and let me say this too, because a lot of believers, here's, here's what we deceive us. God is in my life. Yeah, but, but the question is, is he first in your life? That's, yeah, yeah, he in my life, yeah, but is he first in your life? See, that's the real question. I'm not questioning whether or not you have him. For those who say you are a believer, yeah, but where is he placed in your life? And listen to this. To have it all without God is to have nothing at all. To have it all without God is to have nothing at all. So if I got it all and don't have God, you really don't have anything at all. Why? Because the house is going to fade, the car is going to fade, the clothes are going to fade, the material things are going to fade away. But listen to what this man says, this wise man. Uh, Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14 from the Amplified. He says, after looking at all this stuff that I have, life that I live, this is the conclusion of the whole matter. This is the place where I have arrived. When it all has been heard, the end of the matter is fear God. Look, worship him with all fear reverence, knowing that he is almighty God and keeps his commandments. For this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, every hidden and secret thing, whether it is good or or even, in other words, verse 14, he says, no, there's going to be a, an accountability for what he has given. Was I a good steward with what he has purposed in me to fulfill within the earth? Or did I just fill up a seat? See, again, I submit to you, it, it, notice, this is to encourage and exhort to get the fire burning again. If you're just occupying a seat, sir, ma'am, you are a segregated worshiper, member, partner, whatever word you're using now. I'm segregated. Why? Because there's no participation. There's a disconnect. Where do I start? Let me tell you where you start. I start with being a runner of the vision. See, when people, I have to clarify that, man of God, because when I hear this, people automatically think everybody, they need to be here. Well, it's something you should be doing. Because you are a servant first, then a teacher. A servant first, then a father. As a matter of fact, you can't be a good father except you know how to serve first. A servant first, then a wife. <laughs> I'm a servant first, then a greeter. 
Because I can't be an effective greeter if I don't first understand how to serve. Because I understand it's about dying to self. So when I greet someone at the door and I can tell they're having a bad day, I'm not going to let that vibe cause me to act ignorant and kill the witness, as Pastor said. Hmm. Are you here? So am I serving or am I segregated? Examine yourself to see if you're still in the faith. Did you hear me? This is what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's challenging us to examine ourselves to see if I'm still in the faith. Am I, what I mean by that, am I committed? Am I a committed believer, worshiper? 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Let me show you something. Look at this. Test and evaluate yourselves to see whether you are in the faith and living as committed believers. <laughs> Examine yourselves, not me. This is Paul talking. Because there were false teachers deceiving Corinthians about the Apostle Paul, about his authenticity. Notice he knew Christ by revelation. He didn't actually walk with Jesus. No, he knew Christ by revelation. So they were challenging his apostleship. So much so that they asked him to give an account to some proof of him being a spokesman for God. What was your proof at? About like y'all, Pastor, where you been to school? Not that I have to go to walking. I mean, I did that to, for great understanding, but no. Pastor, how long you did this? Who, who qualified you to do what you're doing? Like saints do today to a lot of things. When things start going wrong in their life, the first thing they point at the preacher. I wouldn't be behind if, so giving $20 is what got you, that's why your house going into foreclosure, because you gave $20 to the church. If anything, that $20 saved you from it being foreclosed sooner. <laughs> if anything, let me tell you, anytime you sow into the kingdom, you're going to always get a return if, you're, if it's sown in the right attitude. <clears throat> Examine yourselves, not me, or do you not recognize this about yourselves by ongoing experience that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to test and are rejected as counterfeit or disqualified. Remember that word, disqualified. So verse 5 connects us to the first part of verse 3. Verse 3, notice he says, since you are seeking proof of Christ speaking in me, he says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. In other words, he was saying, you yourselves are proof of my apostleship. How's that? Because you know him. Because I led you to him. So I am your proof. You're asking for credentials. You are proof of my credentials. 
You know how you was living before you got saved. You know how you were living before you became a partner. You know what your life was like. Look at you now. Got good credit. You have a car. You have a house. Got good relationships. You're, you're moving up in corporate world. You know how you were before. You got your mind back. Your san- you got your sanity back as a result of where you've been placed. Then you got the nerve. So he said, if, the, if you want to see credentials, look at yourself. Are you here? Now, j- just f- for your uh, studies as a student, understand verse 5 is it, often misused as uh, to teach that we should look within ourselves for assurances of salvation. That is not what Paul is saying here. Assurances of our salvation comes first and foremost through the word of God. So he, he wouldn't tell him, test us if you're still saved. No. See if you're a committed believer. Notice, they were being moved by false teachers. You can't listen to everybody on social media. Why? Because even fools have a platform. You know how many people stopped honoring God with a tithe and offering because of somebody they heard who wasn't a giver? How many people aren't even serving in ministry because of what somebody, I don't believe in all that stuff, that all that stuff. Are you here? So as soon as salvation comes first and foremost through the word, just let me show you real quick. John 3, 36. Let me see that real quick. Let's go there. Trying to get to a place to stop us, but you need to hear this. Because Holy Spirit, again, as I preface in this message, He's challenging us to see if we're still in the faith and oh, am I committed? See, whether I want to receive this or not, I'm either serving or I'm segregated. In other words, I'm either serving daughter or disconnected, withdrawn. Again, just because I come doesn't mean that I'm connected. Especially if all I do is spill a seat. Something that you should be doing. Are you here? He who believes and trusts in the Son and accepts Him as Savior has eternal life. Has. Has. Not going to have. Has, that is, already possessed. But he who does not believe in the Son and chooses to reject him, disobeying him, and denying him as Savior will not see eternal life, but instead the wrath of God hangs over him continually. John 10, 28. And I'm showing you this to show you that apostles are not telling the Corinthians to engage in self-examination as proof of their salvation. Rather, he is asking them to find their salvation as a proof of his apostleship. I'll say it again in a second after we read this verse. And I give them eternal life, and they will never, ever, by any means, perish. And no 
And no one would snatch him out of our hand. And I wanted to show you this because he's not telling them to question their salvation. And let me tell you something. You are saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. So you should know that you're saved. And if every time I have a fall short experience, I have to get saved again, I am now trying to qualify based upon my works. And you would never be good enough because now you're saying, uh, I have to be perfect in order to hold on to this thing. No, you're not. Are you here? Because what will happen if you get saved today, sister boy, fall short tomorrow, and, and, or, and, and, and huh? If Earl come down here and receive Jesus today as Savior and Lord, we see he has eternal life when? Okay. Fall short Wednesday. God forbid he gets in the submarine Thursday and don't make it. You know what the saints will say? Earl going to hell. Earl fell short. He wasn't saved. I thought he got saved Sunday. See, look, look at this. It, it just say if I have to keep getting saved over and over, that means Jesus has to keep sacrificing himself over and over because what we're saying, the one time he did it once and for all was not sufficient. I'm not even teaching on that today because that's what people are teaching. We're talking about Bible, not the tradition of men. Are y'all here? Maybe I have to do a teaching on that. Because, yeah, yeah. But we see, and I give them eternal life. And they would never, ever, by any means, perish. What does that mean? That's why I tell y'all, and we're going to move on. Watch out how you talk about people. Because if Earl really received Jesus 18, and, and maybe his practice wasn't necessarily corresponding with his position as it should have. And Earl, get out of here at a young age. See, the, you have unlearned believers. Earl going to hell. See, first of all, you're not God. And you have no authority to place Earl anywhere. It's one of the things I dislike and wish I'm like the people relative to how they were trying to do Paul. I'm that way when it comes, you know, everybody want to get up now. And the same Bible that should liberate you, people have used to subjugate people because they're unskilled, unlearned in the Scriptures. I, 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 boy, it, 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 sometimes I get livid when I see people who haven't disciplined themselves in hermeneutics and learning how to rightly divide the word, and, they, and they've been released to preach before people. You can do people damage like that. I'm not saying you're not called, but what's the rush? You want to be called today and be up next week? That's not how it works, sir. That's not how it works. And the only thing about social media, it gives everybody a platform. You don't have to have any. You, you just 
hit live and go at it. So Apostle was not telling the Corinthians to engage in self-examination as proof of their salvation. Rather, he is asking them, listen to this, to find in their salvation a proof of his apostleship. In other words, you are my evidence. What you are asking for, you are the proof. Are you here? So he's saying there's only two possibles, two possibilities, as it is with you and I. Listen to this now. Either Jesus Christ was in them or they were disqualified. They were spurious. In other words, they were not authentic. They were fakes. So that's where we get either I'm serving or I'm just, I'm segregated. I'm a, you know, I have a form of godliness. I'm working in, walking in any power. But he used the word disqualified. Now, listen to this. The word disqualified was used to describe metals. Listen to this. Which, when tested, were found to be false. So the Corinthians were either true believers or they were disqualified by failure to pass the test. That's why he said, examine yourselves. You're either going to be find out to be for real or fake. I'm either serving or I'm segregated. Let me get to a place of the end. And, and you know, we, this is what we have now. We have people who want rewards without any work. People who want to be acknowledged but don't want to be held accountable. They want titles, but they won't submit to anybody's tutelage. They want a platform, but they lack preparation. We have people who can't handle correction, yet, they want to do all the correcting. We have people who can't, uh, we have people who say they have a word, but they're never in the word. You mean to tell me you have a word from God and you're not even in the word? Hmm. Don't know the word? Well, how do you know? I can tell when it came out of your mouth. That is not God. Like one time, I, it, it just, for, just to prove what I'm saying here, just say this. There was this guy that went to my dad's church, and he was like, the Lord, this, this, now this is what he said. He said, the Lord told him that if he miss another Sunday, he's going to kill him. See, I know right, God ain't told you that. That means he had to kill everybody else who's been missing a Sunday because now you're trying to establish your righteousness by coming to that's why we have to be careful what we have been indoctrinated with. It's not that you're hearing God. You're hearing that slew-footed, crooked preacher who did not know the word and told you the wrong thing. Well, let me be nice. I take back the slew-footed, crooked. Sometimes we're hearing unskilled, unlearned men in their sincerity, but still they're incorrect. Talking about the traditions of men. So I thought it was God. Now that you just heard him say that enough, so that's what you think. Like the preachers of old used to, they always use the Jonah story. You're not even under the covenant of Jonah. And the Lord wasn't trying to kill him. So the, the, the old preachers would say, you know, when they wouldn't answer the call, 
I almost had to kill you. That ain't God. Because there's so many other people that's ready to be used. He, you, don't, don't put that much into yourself to think that if he... Now, I don't know why you had, I don't know why the elevator self hit bottom with you in it. But God doesn't have to kill you or hurt you to get your, let me tell you, and, I have, and I've been teaching it for years when, in this Bible, when the Bible says God corrects those whom he loves, that we correct in the Greek, it literally means he instructs or discipline those whom he loves through his word. He doesn't hurt you to get your attention. He gets your attention by speaking to you, talking to you. He doesn't hurt you to get your attention. What do we get that? So again, it, thank you, Holy Spirit. Any hurt that you should have got, Jesus took for you. So you don't have to be hurt because he took the hurt for you. I guess they want to see it. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Let's get the Amplified here. Then we have people who can't celebrate others, but they want to be celebrated. These are people who are separated, segregated. Let me show you this. Are you here? But in fact, he has borne our griefs and has carried our sorrows and see. Hold on, that I'm glad y'all noticed that. Yet we ignorantly assume that he was stricken, struck down by God and degraded and humiliated by him. See, see, they, they thought that oh, oh he done something wrong. Oh, he's doing it for you. So you wouldn't have to get it. Oh, boy. He, he took it for you. So you wouldn't have to get it. If he has to hurt me to get my attention, what I'm saying now is that Jesus, when he said it's paid in full, it was not paid in full. Why? Because now I'm still trying to qualify by my goodness. And you will never be able to qualify on your goodness alone. It's his goodness. Are you here? But he was wounded for. So if I got to be wounded for my transgressions, why was he wounded? Here's what you do. I got you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Next time you say, God, hold up before you beat me down now. Isaiah 53 and 5 says that Jesus already got this whooping, as we say. We don't say whipping. We say whooping. <laughs> Jesus already got whooped for me. He was one of our churches. He was crushed. Watched it for our Sin, wickedness, our sin, our injustice, or our, oh, he was. So he corrects me through his word. The punishment required, do you see this? For our well-being, where did it fall? It fell on him. 
and by his stripes, wounds, we are healed. We'll pick up here next week. Write this down. We'll pick up right here. Three primary ways we serve within the body. Three primary ways that we serve within the body. Listen. At the end of the day, beloved, I'm either serving or I'm segregated. And I have to be real. Like Paul challenged in Corinthians, no, examine yourselves. Pastor, no, no, no. Listen, examine yourselves to see whether or not you are committed in the faith and committed. If you're just occupied, matter of fact, you shouldn't even feel good about just occupying a seat. There's something that I should be doing. Right? Your ears are not attached to your head for aesthetics. They're not there just to look, just the Lord says, I need to fill up some space on our head. They serve a purpose. You have a purpose. And as Pastor T say, it's bigger than big and greater than great. And, and it's not until, you see, one of the things that happened as a result of COVID, it, it, it caused not only a great distraction, but people were dispersed. Started going on in any every direction. Because for some, because of the 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 lockdowns and the shutdowns, people started, or when it was time to resume, some had been so far without that in-person. They just drifted. Those who weren't already cemented. So he's calling us to evaluate, reevaluate. Am I committed? Am I, what, what am I doing? Give thought to that to this week. This week. What am I? What am I? What am I really doing? And if, and, and if I arrive at, I just show up. There's more. Amen. If this message has been a blessing to you, and you would like to make a donation and support this ministry as we expand the kingdom of God, please visit ShekinahGloryFC.com or download our church app from iTunes App Store or Google Play by searching Shekinah Glory FC and click Give to make your donation.